Hey, tennis fans, and welcome to another edition of Matchpoint Canada. I'm Ben Lewis, joined alongside Mike McIntyre. Remember, you can find us on Twitter at MatchpointCan. We're also on Instagram, Matchpoint Canada. We're the official podcast of Tennis Canada and members of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. And Mike, we're just wrapping up through one week of action down at Flushing Meadows, the U.S. Open. And really, it's been an historic week for Canada. Three players into the round of 16 for the first time ever in singles at a Grand Slam. I mean, this is what we've been looking forward to now for the past few years is having a moment like this and seeing the hard work and seeing the growth all come to fruition. And, uh, and here we are with two young guns and one veteran Canadian making it into the second week of the U.S. Open and almost accounting for 25% of the remaining players left in the men's singles field, which is certainly something that Canadian tennis and Canadian tennis fans can be proud of. And if you look at each of these three guys that are left, and we'll talk about them, you know, one by one in a moment, um, what a fantastic amount of, of growth and maturity and, and obviously it goes without saying terrific tennis that we've seen from these three guys. Yeah, and they, they all took slightly different routes to, to get here. And I, I think the best place to start is, is Denis Shapovalov, someone we've been seeking out to get on this podcast for, for a long time. And we're thrilled that uh, he shared some of his time with us. But uh, talk about just an epic come-from-behind win against American Taylor Fritz. And you knew when that matchup was kind of geared up, you're, you're looking at the draw. We were sort of expecting that encounter. And it feels like two young players out of that next-gen crop who are right rising rapidly and kind of have a similar career trajectory. So you almost felt like if this one was going to be very close. And when you see yourself as, or when you're seen as perhaps the favorite, which I think in this match, Dennis was the, the slight favorite, not maybe overwhelming, but I think more people than not, you know, predicted him to get through it. It's sometimes harder when you, when you're told, or when you see the draw, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm really supposed to get to the round of 16 to live up to my seating and live up to the hype. And, uh, and so even though when we were talking about pre-tournament favorites and who had the more manageable, manageable draws, and we all kind of agreed it was Dennis, sometimes it doesn't work that way, and that almost plays to your disadvantage. So for him to get there, especially as you mentioned, the comeback against Fritz was just incredible. Um, and, and that, I think, is going to do wonders for him confidence-wise, not just in this tournament, regardless of how far he gets, but just down the road, knowing that he is able to do that giving them some more mental fortitude and an ability to be resilient in those moments and, and keep it together mentally to fight your way back into the match. And so for Dennis, whatever comes next, I think it's uh, more important uh, just what he's already done at this point to get to the second week of this major. Yeah, for, for me, I think you hit the nail on the head with the word resilience because Dennis, not just in the match with Taylor Fritz down two sets to one and the break, but even getting tested early in this tournament, his first two matches, Sebastian Corda, he splits the first two sets with Corda, uh, who's another young up-and-coming American player. Soon Wu Kwan of South Korea really, really pushed him in that second round match. So I, I think probably on paper, looking at the draw, we thought Dennis would comfortably get through his first couple of matches, but he he was pushed and he's dealt with these scenarios where I'm going to have to dig deep and find a way to, to overcome the challenge. And then of course, doing it against a great player like Taylor Fritz um, just, I think proves so, so beneficial for him going forward. But uh, let's go right into your interview with Dennis Shapovalov because obviously you touched on that match and, and his confidence and, and where he's at heading to the second week of the open. Happy to be joined with uh, Dennis Shapovalov. 
who's had a great first week at the U.S. Open. Dennis, congratulations. Uh, this is going out to, to all Thank the you. Canadian tennis fans who listen to our podcast. Must feel wonderful having the success in both singles and doubles, especially given what a trying and, and stressful year this has been, eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's been a lot of... Uh... A lot of downside this year. It's uh, it's been really, really tough for everyone. Um, you know, so first of all, it's just great to to be back and and having a chance to to compete and play again. Uh, it's it's been so long since I've had had those butterflies and and that feeling of uh, walking out on the court. So it's amazing to be back. And uh, honestly, I wasn't expecting to be playing as well as I am. So I'm really happy to to be in the position that I am right now. I can imagine for a lot of players, these conditions and restrictions that are obviously in place for a reason must be difficult to contend with, but clearly you're not suffering on the court anyways with it. But what's the hardest part about the adjustment this year that you're having to deal with as a, an athlete and, and just as a person with, with what you're uh, facing there in New York? Yeah, I think, uh, I think it was just tricky to, uh, to kind of have that stoppage. I mean, for tennis players, we, we know how, how quick paced the tour is and you're constantly either preparing for the next tournament or in the middle of a tournament and, and you have a schedule. So, you know, when, when everything was starting to get canceled, it was kind of like deflating for, for all the players, especially for me. I felt like I didn't know what I was preparing for, what I was training for. And uh, it's really, really mentally tough. And of course, I mean, what's going on with the world, it's, uh, it, was, it was really scary. Nobody really knew how how bad this virus can be and uh and you know and what's going to be happening and how for how long so it's very tricky mentally and I think uh my coach helped me a lot Mikhail I felt like he just told me to to kind of treat it as if you're you're uh, a track and field athlete you know who, who's preparing for for one competition you know I mean in that year or you know for the Olympics and just taking practice easy lightly you know enjoying it working on stuff here and there, but uh, really, really kind of keeping in shape and, uh, you know, not, not doing it too intense so that you get burnt out. And I felt like that was huge for me because we were putting in good work and I was, I was working on strokes, but I wasn't uh, mentally getting, getting fatigued and, uh, and wearing myself out. So it's, uh, I think it was, it was just a a great, uh, great call by him. What's the one thing, I mean, I'm sure there were many things, but if you could pinpoint one thing that you and Mikhail were hoping to, you know, hit the court and, and really see some, some progress with maybe one goal, whether it be mental or with physical aspects of your game, that you were hoping, hey, when I get back to business, this is what I want to see up to another level. Yeah, well, of course, the, the work on, on the court never stops. And uh, honestly, we, we were lucky that, that we had a private club that, that, open for us that we could practice every day, you know, certain hours with nobody around. But honestly, it was, it was also huge. Uh, he, he advised me to, to um, bring to the team a psychologist that he's been working with throughout his career, throughout his life. And uh, I felt like that was a huge step for me to, to not only be working on the court, but also inside my head and, and mentally training um, throughout these five, six months. And obviously it's still, still very early, you know, stages, early beginnings for it, but I already feel like it's, it's helped me quite a lot in these, in these couple matches. And I definitely do feel, feel a lot of progress from them, from, from that. So I'm really, really pleased that, uh, that I was able to, to bring them um, to my team. Just as we wrap up here, I wanted to find out compared to previous years at the open, what's the biggest thing that you're missing from just a regular tournament without any restrictions at the moment? 
I just think the the fans here. I mean, it's it's usually so electric, and I've played some some really exciting matches so far. So uh, I'm missing that that roar of the crowd when when you you know you convert on set point or a big break point, and uh, especially in New York, it's it's one of the loudest loudest crowds I've ever been a part of. So it's uh, definitely quite a change, and uh, I've had to you know pump myself extra just just from inside and uh, really really bring that out of me. Well, even though you can't hear them, there's tons of Canadian tennis fans up here that are rooting real hard for you, and they're interacting with us on social media all the time. Have you got a little message for them for the support you're getting virtually during this uh, U.S. Open? Yeah, honestly, uh, that's that's you know great great that you say that um, because actually, yeah, I was going to do a shout out whenever this tournament's over. But honestly, the the fans and and the engagement that I've been getting from you know from my fans all over the world, um, obviously, you know, Canada's a lot of them it's just been it's just been unbelievable for me um the text the tweets the the instagram comments that i'm seeing you know i just i appreciate you guys support so much you know so many fans are telling me like when i was down five two they weren't they weren't changing the channel they weren't doubting me for a second that i'm coming back you know and uh that's the reason why i play you know i love i love inspiring fans i love bringing a show to to people you know so it's uh I just, I just want to reach out, you know, tell all my fans that I truly appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I, I love you guys. <laughs> well, we're enjoying the show and uh, keep it up, man. All the best in week two. We're proud of you. Appreciate that, man. Thanks. There you have it. Mike's interview with Denis Shapovalov, who is into the round of 16 at the U.S. Open. Just the second time he's been to the round of 16 at a Grand Slam, which almost feels surprising to me, but it did happen uh, three years ago uh, in 2017. And I think he's a better tennis player now than he was three years ago. I mean, he's showing a lot more maturity. And just in that interview, even, you can sort of tell where he's at mentally. And, and, uh, and he spoke specifically to the fact that uh, Coach Mikhail Yuzhny helped hook him up with a psychologist to work on the mental part of his game. And uh, Ben, who does that sound familiar to? Another Canadian who a year ago also worked so strongly on her mental side of the game, visualization and, and talking to a therapist as well. And uh, so many advantages to doing that. And, you know, mental health is, is something that has such a breadth of, you know, possibilities, but uh, just even being your best person on a day-to-day basis, achieving your, your maximum potential. And as an athlete, I think we're seeing more and more are turning to these types of, um, you know, it's not just about the X's and O's and your forehands and backhands. And so that speaks to Dennis's maturity that he's, he's willing to do that. And, uh, and we're seeing the benefits. And not only is he in the final 16 of singles, but him and his partner uh, are also in the quarterfinals of the men's doubles. And, and that's when I got to speak to him after his uh, most recent doubles victory too, which is certainly not going to hurt him. It's only going to help uh, other aspects of his game too, being in, in both those draws. Yeah, I was certainly very impressed uh, him getting back on the court with Rohan Bopana, you know, almost under an hour after winning that five-set marathon match with Taylor Fritz, gets back out to finish a doubles match, plays another doubles match the following day. So it is a lot of tennis for, for Denis Shapovalov right now, but at his age, his youth, we've had time off from the tour, so his legs are nice and fresh. He can get through this, and, and he's capable, and I, I think he's going to have his shot in the round of 16. And it's kind of funny, you know, you and me have been trying to get Dennis on this podcast for for quite some time. And it almost started to feel like things were stacked against us because you actually had him a few days ago. Yes. And there were technical issues behind the scenes on day one with the U.S. Open that didn't allow them to allow us to record the actual interview. So you spoke with him, but we couldn't 
do what we wanted to with that that yeah. uh, audio and and visual part. And then um, after his big win against Fritz, weren't there also some technical difficulties where we couldn't get in? It was like a, a waiting line <laughs> or too many people were trying to get into the club and uh, yeah. and we couldn't get either. So I was starting to think like, oh man, things are just stacked against us with Dennis, but uh, I'm, I'm glad it all worked out today. And, uh, you know, a short uh, chat with him, but, uh, you know, really revealing and uh at the end i gave him the opportunity to uh, speak out directly to his canadian tennis fans and and that really seemed like it came from the heart when he was speaking about what it meant to him and even though he can't see them live at the open how he's feeling that love from from a distance yeah all, all of these guys have such pride i think playing playing for our country and uh, they're all really good friends um our, our next guest who i'll get to vashik pospisil he actually touches on having a great friendship specifically with felix like him and felix are two of the tightest guys on tour which maybe would strike you as a bit unusual given like a essentially a 10-year age gap between the two uh but they relate to one another and vashik pospisil i mean we spoke with him i remember last year just before wimbledon he's coming off a of back surgery and and we were obviously trying to temper expectations for what he was capable of. And, you know, it didn't happen at Wimbledon specifically, but the run he went on late summer into the fall 2019, what he did for Canada in Davis Cup, leading us to the first ever final in this nation's history in tennis, and then continuing that uh, unbelievable form early in 2020, making an ATP final. The way this guy is playing has to be, you know, to me, the best in his career. It's just so remarkable, and I, I don't know what it is that is clicking so well for, for him. It makes me wonder how much the back was really holding him back for those couple of years because he was showing such promise, and he was, you know, top 25, um, which even though I felt like at the time was maybe a bit of an overachievement for him at that point of his career, we were kind of expecting him to settle into that 25 to 50 range perhaps, and it just didn't happen. And, and he's playing the best of his career. Uh, I mean, he had that quarterfinal slam result at Wimbledon five years ago. He's played 14 slams since then and never got past the second round until now in singles, which is kind of uh, crazy when you think of just how solid he's playing right now. And I don't know if it's those Hitaki mushrooms that he is, uh, you know, <laughs> now got this business venture yes. with or, or what, but it's clicking on the court and it's clicking for him off the court with all the things he's multitasking about and just kudos to Vashik. Um, you know, he's a great guy. He's, he's one of the few guys I think on tour and in professional tennis that I still kind of root for, even though I'm in the media, you just can't help but kind of appreciate what a, what a good guy, what a good heart he has. And, uh, and so it's just wonderful to see how things are coming together for him here at this stage of his career. Yeah, yeah, it's been uh, amazing to watch. Uh, I agree, just a genuine person. And he's always been gracious to share his time with us. And uh, I've spoken to him a couple times already in this tournament. He chatted with me after his five-set comeback win over Roberto Bautista Agut. Vashrik, thanks for uh, joining me. Uh, congratulations on, uh, obviously, just a, a great third-round win over Roberto Bautista Agut. This one took a while, three hours, 40 minutes. Uh, I'm just curious, you know, you, you've had faced RBA three times in the past and mm -hmm. hadn't been able to earn a victory. Was there anything you changed tactically maybe in, in your approach that got you the win this time? Um, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say anything uh, tactically. I think, I, I think honestly, I, I'm, I think I'm a better player now than I was when I played him the last time. I, I think it's been five years since the last time we played each other. And 
and I, I know I've, I've improved my game a lot and I've, I've filled up some, some weaknesses and holes in my game that I had back then that I feel like I'm much more solid now. And obviously physically is the, is the biggest part. I mean, I think uh, physically I'm moving well and I'm, I'm, have you know good endurance now and I'm covering I'm, I'm covering the court and, and now as I have fewer weaknesses in my game I feel like I'll give myself more and more opportunities to beat guys like this but obviously you know he's he's 11 in the world for for a reason he's not an easy guy to beat and uh obviously so I'll enjoy this one for sure yeah and uh, just just looking at the stats uh another great save, serving day for you 19 aces and uh it looked like you were kind of just aggressive in your approach throughout 71 winners that you hit do, do you think this is going to be basically the mindset going forward throughout this tournament for you definitely i mean that should be the i think for for me specifically it should be the mindset for you know my whole career going forward now because these are i mean um this is the way that I have to play. I mean, my strengths are, are, are all, you know, around keeping the points shorter and, and, and cause I can, you know, hit big and I can come into the net and I can serve big. And, and uh, so I need to be an aggressive player all the time and always look to, to be proactive in, in points and not get, you know, too far back and defend. And um, I think that that's, that's very, very important for, for, for me specifically. Um, so I'll definitely look to, to keep that momentum and keep this game style going forward in this tournament. And then obviously keep working on it to make sure it, it becomes, a, you know, a habit that I'll take into every tournament that I play. And, and I'm just curious, I, I don't have a specific question about uh, the PTPA itself, but uh, how have you may, maybe managed just some, something so big going on off court politically and, and still yeah. keeping your focus on, on the tennis? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I was like, uh, I, I made a joke to, to somebody about this actually like an hour ago that maybe the more distractions I have, uh, the better, you know, because it definitely um, would not be something that you would recommend, uh, you know, to a player to, to get so distracted with, with something like this when they're going to play Grand Slam. But I felt like it was very necessary. I believed in it. And 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 then at the end of the day, you know, I, I, as long as I got all my work done in tennis, I mean, on the on the court and in the gym, which I was, and I wasn't making doing any shortcuts, then I was like, okay, well, you know, why, why not? I tried not to drain myself out too much mentally. And then when I'm on the court, you're trying to win and you're trying to stay composed. And and at the end of the day, if, um, I guess I, I have the capacity to to manage more things, I guess. But definitely, um, you know, had had a few question marks leading into the event, thinking that maybe that would take a little bit too much energy from me, but, uh, I guess, I guess not. I guess maybe it was, it's a, maybe it was positive energy, you know? <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Maybe, maybe the same for, for Novak who hasn't dropped a set and hasn't lost the match this year. So yeah, uh, that, that's the secret. Have a, have a lot of off court stuff going on at the same time. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, maybe. I, yeah. I'm, I'm just curious, um, you, you know, for Canadian wise in this tournament, uh, Denis Shapovalov rallied from two sets to one down uh, just the other day against Taylor Fritz. And uh, just as we're speaking now, Felix wrapped up a, a very thorough straight set win over Mute. Uh, are, are you kind of uh, aware of how well the Canadians are playing in this tournament? Or are you looking around and, and monitoring uh, what, what they're doing as well? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I for sure, I, I hang out with Felix almost every day and we play games at night and, um, so I'm, yeah, super close with Felix and, and we, I see Dennis, you know, here on the locker room. So, so very aware that how well they're playing and it's nice that we have three Canadians in the fourth round now. I'm, 
pretty sure it's the first time in history for for uh, Canadian tennis and um, so it's yeah it's definitely exciting there's a lot of buzz and and they're playing great you know they're they're great young players and uh, and great guys you know so I, I'm you know Felix is one of my one of my probably one of my best friends on tour it's, it's funny to say that because I'm like 10 years older but he's just <laughs> such a great kid and and uh, I love hanging out with him so so um, I'm glad to hear that he won I didn't actually know that and, until now I saw that he won the first set so it's great that yeah, it's good news. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's also moving on. Um, just curious, I guess, because uh, this was such a physical match that you played al- almost four hours, and uh, the the physical toll that it takes coming back from two sets to one down is one thing. Uh, but I'm also wor- uh, just curious about the mental aspect of it. You know, fighting back when you are down, and then not having any any crowd to kind of feed your energy energy off of. Does that actually make it more difficult? Um, I think, yeah, I mean, the crowd can really help, uh, well, you know, if the crowd is on your side, which, you know, here at the open, usually the crowd is, you know, pretty pro Canadian. There are a lot of Canadians that come here. So, um, yeah, the crowd can have a huge impact, a huge, you know, make a a very positive impact if you're down in a match and and you're not feeling up for, you know, you're not feeling things are going to turn around or, um, so for sure that that's, that's, you know, I prefer to play in front of a crowd, but today, I mean, I just, I just tried to stay composed. And even when I was down two sets to one and I wasn't feeling good physically, and then I just kind of got a second wind and, and um, you know, the shade came in a bit and it was a little bit breezy. And, and it really kind of gave me this, this belief that, okay, well, you know, I, I started to feel better out there physically again. And, and, um, and then I just said, okay, I just, I was just very relaxed. I was very relaxed. I just said, okay, well, I'm going to go point by point you know, try to win every point, try to play aggressive, stick to the game plan if it, you know, and give myself the best chance to turn, turn this match around. And, and then, I, you know, fortunately for me, I, I was able to execute well and I did, but it, so it didn't really take too much of a mental toll. I would say the fourth and fifth sets, believe it or not, were, did not really drain me out mentally. Um, maybe more so uh, the, you know, the first three sets of the match when, when it was a little bit more of a physical struggle that also affects you mentally a little bit. So I, I actually feel pretty good to be honest right now. So <laughs> That's, uh, it would be nice to have a crowd for sure, but yeah, but, uh, I'm not complaining. Let's put it that way. <laughs> okay. Okay. Last, uh, just last question, because uh, it, it feels like, you know, an, another physical player is, is waiting in the wings. Alex Dimenauer, uh just when I watch him, he seems like one of the fastest players uh, on tour. How hard a, a challenge is that going to be just knowing you're facing someone who's, who's always pushing and making, making you play that extra ball, you know, every time. Yeah. Well, it's a little bit like my opponent today, right? Like, I mean, Bautista, he's, that's one of his biggest strengths. He, he's super quick and he doesn't uh you know he he just makes you play that extra ball extra ball and so it's another similar player and Alex is definitely one of the fastest fittest guys on tour that just uh I mean I said this in my press conference it feels like he can just run all day and and never gets tired so uh but but you know tennis is there's there are a lot of things there are a lot of ways to win tennis matches and and uh so I'll just have to find my solutions and and stick to, uh, stick to stick to my strengths and, and a game plan and hopefully execute well. And if I can execute well, then then I definitely feel like I have a chance of winning that one. But it's definitely it will definitely be a, a tough one. Awesome. Bashar, uh, thanks a lot for thanks. your time. Hey, thanks a lot. No worries. Yeah. Thanks.
There you have it, my conversation with Vashik Pospisil. And we did touch on the fact, not specifically to the politics of this new Players Association, but wondering if like distractions off the court or, or staying busy off the court are almost helping his mindset. And he laughed and said, yeah, maybe, maybe there's something to that. I have all these business ventures, this off-court Players Association, and uh, I'm winning matches. And, you know, look at the other side of the draw. Novak Djokovic refuses to lose. And of course, he was the head of Players Council and now leading this charge of the Players Association. So it doesn't necessarily matter or serve as a, a distraction from your on-court tennis when you are busy off the court with these other ventures. Yeah, keeping busy is certainly working his advantage. And, uh, and, and I got to say, like, he had such a strong start to 2020. He beat uh, Medvedev in, in Rotterdam, I believe. He made the finals in, uh, what, was it in France there, Montpellier, thank you, where he lost to Monfils in the finals. And you know, then you have this this momentum killer, which is obviously, I mean, everyone had their momentum taken from them with, with COVID and the quarantine and, and the cancellation of so many events. But for him to come back, and this is his first event since, uh, since back then. So um, for him to just not even miss a beat, and it, it's not like he's in the fourth round, but he had an easier draw or something. Right. I mean... He had to take out Milos, who was playing terrific, making the finals in, in the Cincinnati draw. And then RBA, Roberto Bautista Agu, another player that you and me have always kind of pegged as, as someone to keep an eye on, uh, even before his, his ranking surge recently. So for Vashik to go back to back, and when he was down two sets to one against RBA, I was thinking, okay, this is going to be a real tough ask for Vashik, yeah. who hasn't always played that great in the five setters under you know difficult conditions. So... This is great. You hope he recovers quickly. And uh, regardless, again, of what happens next for him, here he is making the final 16 in a single slam. And uh, just another big jump in the rankings, obviously, is going to be coming for him. And, and beating these players and continuing where he was earlier in the year, I mean, he's a top 50 guy. There's no doubt about it anymore to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he, he touched on, uh, I think, his physicality and getting stronger and, and better as an athlete, which maybe you don't think can happen post 30 years old. But uh, for well, those of Well, he's not quite post 30, but he's yes, getting no, there. He's, or he's is he close. 30? Uh, I think he is 30, actually. It was Milos who was turning 30 a little later, and right, Vashik has right. turned 30. Uh, but to me, he's in the best shape that he's ever been in in his career. And uh, I think the results speak for themselves in that regard. I think he's aware of that. And you mentioned the Wimbledon quarterfinal run in 2015. One element now, though... I think the tour is even stronger now than it was five years ago. And as you mentioned, the draw, having to go through Milos, second round, RBA, third round. And uh, Bautista Gut was a player he had never beaten before. So a huge, huge win for him. Uh, such a confidence boost. And, um, you know, round of 16 for me is already like a tremendous result. But I think there's a quarterfinal opportunity ahead, too, with uh, Alex Dimonaur next. Yeah, he's so got, we'll he's got. He's got absolutely nothing to lose. And, and one of the guys you mentioned that he's so close with uh, is, is the next player we're going to talk about, which is Felix Oje Aliassime. And uh, it's funny because Milos also recently said something to the effect that Felix was the one that he felt super close with too. So I just feel like Felix is sending out the right vibes to everybody. Yeah. And he's kind of like this, this social glue to Team Canada in terms of connecting everyone. And he just seems like such a chill dude, such a mature guy for the age of, of 20 I come away from every time I hear him speak just more and more impressed. And he does the little things right also just in terms of connecting with people. Like I was on a Zoom with him the other night impressed and he was like, oh, Mike, hey, you know, good to see you. Like in front of everybody, like it was just something that you don't have to say those things, but just to recognize, you know, and that familiarity and uh, 
He's clearly good at building relationships. And uh, what he's really been building is one heck of a, a game. And when I think to him a year ago, he still looked a little bit scrawny. He still looked a little bit like a teenager, like in that awkward sort of teenager, not yet like a, a man's body. And boy, physically, has he ever grown? And does he ever look threatening out there and dangerous just in terms of the muscle he's put on and how he's filled out? And he's playing just absolutely lethal tennis right now. Yeah, honestly, it's uh, it's jaw-dropping stuff on the court right now, the way he is dismantling his opponents and, and not spending much time on court at all. We did touch on that when I spoke to him. But uh, to go through uh, Francis Corentin-Mute, now I know probably the casual tennis fan won't know much about Corentin-Mute, but this is another solid up-and-coming player from France and, and a bit of a threat, not somebody you would expect a 6-love, six 6-1, six six thrashing of. So this was just all feeling. Um, we saw the the way he beat Andy Murray and okay we thought in our heads well Andy Murray is not the same guy physically and that is true Uh, but Andy is always a bit of a tough out so for him to just completely take control of all the rallies just completely dictating feels like he's just in an absolute zone right now Um, and and you know there's there's a tough test that uh, certainly awaits ahead where he is in the bottom half of that draw but this is some of the best tennis I've seen Felix play and we also touched on the fact that he hadn't fully put it together yet at a grand slam but he pointed out to me how there's been a number of Grand Slam tournaments that he has actually missed. So I, I think he is just peaking at the right time. Yeah, I mean, he's only played a handful of slams as a professional yeah. when you look at his, um, you know, his history. And, um, and it's incredible. Like, you look at the first round match against um, Montero. Mm-hmm. And in that fourth set, Montero had a, a set point and he had an overhead smash that he yes. should have put away and yep. he totally shanked it. Uh, but that was very close to going to a fifth set. And then, as you mentioned, the match against Murray, who definitely looked tired from his uh, opening round match and, and didn't look like the Andy Murray that we're accustomed to seeing. You still got to close out that match. You still have to go in there with the mindset that you're playing this champion and you can't take it lightly. And he was so workmanlike in that matchup and then just destroying Mute. It just seems like he's getting stronger and stronger as he goes along the body language and how he's talking in press as well afterwards, the confidence and belief in himself. We're we're witnessing a player really coming into his own right now. And to me, one of the things that really points to his potential is when you listen how other players talk about him and the respect they have for him already and how they talk about how he's been on their radar for quite some time. Sometimes you get these 20 year old kids who are good in juniors and most of the pros don't really still know that much about him. Felix, everybody knows about Felix and they've known about him for a while. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. You, you look at even just look at the big three. I mean, we've heard these these words of praise from Nadal. We've heard about I've listened to Novak Djokovic talk about his unbelievable physicality on the court and Roger Federer seeking him out to, to practice. I mean, these guys are impressed. They're looking at Felix uh, as one of these players who is the future of the sport. And uh, speaking of the big three, I, I think anyway, they really do care ado, uh, of the future of the sport, with whose Felix hands it is in. And Felix, they view as one of those guys. And we are seeing why on the court at Flushing Meadows. It, it's just been unbelievable. Felix, uh, congratulations. You've advanced to uh, the fourth round of a Grand Slam for the first time in, in your career. And uh, just for starters, maybe assess your performance against Corenta Mute today. It felt like such a complete match from you. Yeah, I think that's the right word. You know, it was complete. Um, I was able to execute really well 
what was my plan. You know, I was trying to, again, dominate uh, with my strength physically, with my serve. I think I was able to do that, you know, from the first point and really, you know, keep on, you know, stepping it up and keep on bringing it to him. So I felt like, you know, at the start in the first two sets, he wasn't really seeing any opening and uh, was getting obviously a bit frustrated and uh, things were going well for me. So, you know, there was, I can't complain. And then in the third set, I just felt like he stepped up his level and he played, you know, more, I guess, his normal level. And uh, then I had to accept it. I had to find a way and uh, I was able to break him twice. So again, I think um, I can be, I can be happy with my performance and, and now I have to see how far I can go and, and keep on uh, uh, bringing a good level every day. Just from a, a physical standpoint, you know, obviously it's, it's tough enough to make a second week of a grand slam, but often we have players, you know, digging deep in, in five set matches for you to get this done and in under two hours and, you know, beating Andy Murray in straight sets the other day. Uh, how happy are you or how, how pleased are you to just be getting through some of these matches quite quickly? Yeah, it's good. It's, it's never, I think like, um, it's never a thing where, uh, it's never the plan. You know, it's not like, uh, something that you planned before. It's not something that's like the goal. Sorry. That's the word. It's not the goal to go out, uh, in, in three sets win. And, 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 but if it happens, obviously you're happy. And then when you're leading in the match, you also, you know, try to stay disciplined, stay focused, not try to think, well, I have time anyway, it's three out of five sets. So, even if I lose this one, I'll have another chance. You know, it's really about, you know, keep on, on bringing your game, uh, keep on stepping it up to try to, to win in straight sets. And uh, for me to be able to do that in the last two matches, uh, obviously it's, it's great news for, for the rest of the tournament. I feel fresh still physically. I feel great. So um, if I can, you know, keep on doing that, um, I think, you know, physic the physical abilities or, or my fitness won't be a problem in the later stages of, of the tournament. And, you know, we've, uh, we've spoken on our podcast about uh, how much success you've had on the ATP tour in so many tournaments, uh, making finals runs. And I always felt, for me, the one thing missing on your resume was a bit of a deep run at a Grand Slam. Um, mm -hmm. Do you think that was maybe just a, an adjustment in, in your growing process as a player because you're still quite young, just determining maybe the best three of five? Or, or why do you think, you know, everything has really clicked here? No, the three or five is not really a thing. To be honest, it's just that I haven't played much Grand Slams. Right. Uh, no, in all honesty, uh, if we go tournament by tournament, um, you know, I came in qualified here when I was really young. I was still 18 and I had to retire. And then the next year I didn't, play, I didn't qualify in Australia even. And then I didn't qualify in French. I, I, didn't, I had to pull out in French. I would play Wimbledon third round. And then I had a bad loss last year here. So I really, I think there was just two, three tournaments that I really had a, a shot in the main draw and I, you know, I lost, I didn't play well and that made one third round. So for me, when I, I was hearing like, okay, you didn't have results in Grand Slams, I think it's a bit, I think people were getting excited or getting ahead of themselves. Like, uh, I think we, we, we need to, to be realistic here. I'm, I'm on, I just turned 20. I played, uh, I didn't even play all the Grand Slams yet. I didn't play the French Open. So, um, so I think for me, there was no reason or there was no questioning why I'm not going deeper in Grand Slams. I'm happy that now it's, it's done. I'm, I'm in the second week. And obviously, I don't want to stop here. And, and I have to, to keep on doing that in the next Grand Slams to come because uh, uh, that's, not a, that's not something done. I have to keep going further and further. 
And obviously, you're, you're not the only Canadian uh, that we have in the second week of a, a Grand Slam. Your friends, Vashik Pospisil, won uh, today in five sets, and Denis yeah. Shapovalov winning the other day. Have, have you had any conversations uh, with them? And maybe do you think you guys are, are feeding off one another a little bit right now? I mean, for sure. It's great. You know, uh, when we just saw the stats, even in the second round, we were four in Canadians in the in the second round and then three in the third. And, and now what we're doing is, is great for the sport and great for tennis in Canada. Um, I don't get to see Dennis that much because we don't play on the same days, so we kind of have different schedules. But I just saw Vashik in the locker room. I was able to congratulate him, and I was actually really, really happy for him. You know, it's a massive win. Uh, I think... You don't understand how, how big of a win that is uh, to take out Batista in five sets. That's tremendous. I mean, that uh, just shows the efforts he, he's done and the work he's put in uh, behind the scenes since his, uh, since his surgery last year. And, um, yeah, you can only be happy for your friend and, and, and proud of a performance like this. Sure. Yeah, and I, I'm sure you must be proud of, of your efforts. Uh, you know, we had basically six months off on the tour. Did you expect you could play this well when, when we made the return? No, I really have, I rarely, sorry, have any expectations, really. Uh, I try to take the expect, expectations out of the equation. You know, uh, I, I, I believe in my training. I believe in the work that I've done. And I believe that one day or another, it will, it will work and my re- results will come. Uh, but I didn't really have expectations to come here and be able to, to play the way I've been playing and, and win the way I've been winning. Uh, but for sure, I'll take it. I'm proud of, of, the, of the things I've done so far. And, uh, and hopefully I can use the work that I've done and my abilities to, to now go even further. Just last couple questions. Um, waiting in the wings here, Dominic Team and Marin Cilic playing a match. Uh, maybe I want to start with Dominic Team because earlier in the year, he made the Australian Open final. He, he's been to three Grand Slam finals and obviously has an incredible resume. How, how tough a matchup is, is someone like him in a best of five format or, or just overall? It's always a tough matchup, uh, but especially, you know, in Grand Slams, I think he's, uh, he's getting more and more experience. You feel like, you know, he's building up results and he's uh, going up in strength, you know, through the rankings and through these big tournaments. And uh, he's hungry. He's hungry for these wins. Uh, he wants to get his first uh, uh, title in a Grand Slam. We all, we're all looking for that. So it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be a great test for me because uh, now I'm getting to play, you know, the best of the best. Um, and um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good a good battle. That's uh that's great. Well, I mean, uh, it would be if he wins. Yes, yes. And yeah. uh, lastly, Marin Cilic is someone who's obviously a much much older player, kind of veteran yeah. circuit, but someone who's who's won a Grand Slam before. Mm-hmm. Um, how how difficult would that be facing someone with that level of experience? Maybe. Well, always difficult. Uh, as difficult as facing uh, Dominic, because obviously you have a player that knows how to win these tournaments, uh, that has the experience, knows how to handle these situations, um, being led, uh, leading in the tournament, in the matches. And, you know, he's an experienced player, uh, great serve, a great game, overall game. So uh, the, 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 the two, two matchups would be, would be great battles and, and good tests for me. Uh, but I still feel like, you know, Dominic is the, the young and, and, and powerful one and obviously better ranked uh, on the stats. But uh, Marin can obviously win tonight and, and, and still be very dangerous. Felix, uh, thanks so much for your time and uh, good Thank luck you. for the rest of the tournament. Thank you. Pleasure. And as we were touching on before this interview, uh, he is one of those guys who's going to be at the top of the mantle in the future generation of this sport. 
Yeah, I think he's one of those, you know, you're right, passing the torch to the next generation and not just in terms of what you can do on the court, but being the kind of role model and being the kind of, of leader for the sport. And I can see Felix growing into that role quite comfortably over time. And obviously here in Canada for us, he's, he's the perfect role model because he appeals to so many different communities. And, uh, you know, he's got the English and the French as, as well. So just can't think of a better, you know, potential ambassador for the sport here for us in Canada than, than Felix. And hey, all three of the guys that we've talked about today, they're playing real well on the court. They're saying the right things and handling themselves so well off the court. Um, hey, Canadian tennis fans, enjoy the week to come because uh, we're, we're on the cusp of something special here, whether it's this tournament or beyond, I think really instilling a confidence in, in what our country can do on a tennis court. Yeah, no, no kidding. Well, Mike, thanks uh, for catching up mid-tournament here. And we thank all of the Canadians who've been generous with their time as we were so grateful, of course, to get the opportunity to cover the U.S. Open and uh, get the media accreditation. And uh, all the Canadians have been happy to speak with us and we're happy to share their words with you. You've been listening to Matchpoint Canada. We will talk to you next time. I seen a lot of girls assisting. If I could meet them, I could get them. But as yet I haven't met them. That's why I'm in the shape I'm in. Here another sad day.